Few things are harder than the mission of raising your kids. At The Dad Project, we get experienced dads to reveal what's worked for them, offering practical, time-tested advice. Being a successful dad is tough, and we're here to help you get it done. Welcome to The Dad Project. Hey dads, this is Jim Tierney, co-founder of The Dad Project. I'm going to introduce this episode today in order to make an appeal to all of our listeners. It doesn't take a lot of money to maintain our operations. And by the way, did you know that all our speakers give their talks for free, which helps us deliver great content to you for a really minimal cost. But we do have to pay our sound editor, host our website, cover some other minor expenses. I'd like to ask that you set up some small recurring donation to support delivering our talks for dads. If all our listeners gave $1 a month, it would very easily cover our expenses. If our talks are worth $5 a month to you or $10 a month to you, please consider donating that. Thanks for listening to The Dad Project, and please give us a rating in whatever app you use to listen to our podcast. And now for our episode. In this episode of The Dad Project, I'm going to discuss what dads can do to form the consciences of their children. After we posted the Freedom episode for July 4th, one of our listeners wrote to us and asked how dads can form the conscience of their children to ensure that they use their freedom well. I think it's one of the most important missions a dad can undertake, and I really appreciate being prompted to speak on this topic. First, let's talk about what conscience is and why it's important to form it. Conscience is our knowledge and understanding of what is true such that we can distinguish between right and wrong. And therefore, it's our guide for all the decisions and moral judgments we make in life. Dads, we need to go beyond what you might call the popular definition of conscience, which I think implies developing a gut feel for what is right and wrong. The big risk there is that the judgments of the conscience lack a basis in anything objective when you're going by gut feel. They could become emotional. We could also call this the Jiminy Cricket version of conscience. Always let your conscience be your guide makes for a catchy song, but Jiminy Cricket never says anything about a point I'm going to make later in this talk, forming the conscience. And we see that Pinocchio's whims make it easy for him to rationalize any decision he makes. And he may even think he's acting in a moral and upright way. So dads, we have to make a stand for forming our children's conscience so that they can always let their well-formed conscience be their guide. It might be harder to make a song out of that, but the results will be well worth any musical awkwardness. The alternative is that conscience is reduced to an excuse for whatever I want to do. Okay, got it. So we dads have to make a stand. Hopefully you're starting to pick up on a theme in all of these talks that when I want to impart something to my children, it has to start with me. Now, if you care enough about being a good dad, to be seeking out fatherhood podcasts, I'm going to guess you're in a pretty good place on knowing right from wrong. But maybe it's time to take our game to the next level as dads. So how about this? How about we look for opportunities to choose the difficult good in the little ordinary, seemingly trivial aspects of everyday family life? Maybe we could go out and seek out our wives to help rather than flopping down on the couch right when we get home. Maybe we could choose the bruised banana for ourselves or take a little bit more of what we don't like at the dinner table so that we honor the work of the person who prepared it. Maybe we could smile even when we're inclined to scowl. These actions are really choosing the right 
even when it's hard. And that's a great example for our families. When it comes to working with our children to form their consciences, I'm going to start with two main points. First, we dads have to mean what we say. And bear with me, I'm going to unpack that thought. And second, we cannot let any opportunity go by to form our children's consciences, to help them understand what is right and what is wrong. I think we all know we make hundreds, perhaps thousands of judgments every day about what is right and wrong. Most of them are second nature and might seem trivial, but the fact that we allow another car to merge in front of us, that we pay for our purchases at the store, that we decide to stay at work to finish a project, that we don't push our way to the front of the line to enter a sporting event, these decisions, even if they seem like less active decisions and more like habits, are the product of conscience. We will help our kids get in the habit of choosing right in all their decisions in life if we never let an opportunity go by to help our children understand the difference between right and wrong. Here's a situation I encountered recently. We took the kids and some of their friends to the beach, and when we got home, I asked the older kids to start unloading all the beach gear from the van. When everything was pulled out of the vehicle and placed off to the side, I said to the kids, okay, while I'm putting the little kids down for naps, I need you to put this stuff away. One of my kids' friends responded in a whiny, all of it? And this was an opportunity for several lessons, so I jumped in. Going back to the first of my two main points, dads, we have to mean what we say so that our kids will believe we mean what we say. I don't fault one of our friends for not knowing this, but my kids know, and I actually tell them often, dad is a guy who means what he says. There's a comfort for kids in this. They know that dad is honest, and they know where he stands on things. There's also a big, shall we say, spotlight that goes along with this. If we make it clear to our kids, both in words and in actions, that we are men of our word, we are accountable. We have to pass from being a guy who every once in a while loses his temper and slips up saying something he doesn't mean to being a guy who's level-headed enough to be thoughtful in his word choice. Why this detailed point about meaning what we say? Well, because in this scenario that I laid out, when I said, okay, I need you to put this stuff away, of course I need to put all of it away. My kids know, don't ever ask a grown-up, do I really have to do all of this job? Of course you'll be putting all of it away. You're not going to carry one thing into the house, then kick up your feet and watch your friend's dad carry everything else in. That's not choosing the right thing to do. You're not going to bring only one basketball back from the far corner of the gymnasium and leave all the other balls for the coach. You're not going to put one plate away from the dishwasher at your grandparents' house and leave grandma to unload all the rest. You need to assume that when someone asks for help, one, he means it, and two, you should assume the maximum amount of service that could possibly be implied by that request. When dad means what he says, it's a constant source of information about what is right and what is wrong. The second point is about not letting any opportunity for formation of conscience go by. And here I gave my child's friend a gentle lesson by saying, hey, we all got the benefit of using our beach gear to have a lot of fun at the beach. The only just thing to do is to take responsibility for the tasks that have to happen when we get home from the beach. It wouldn't be right for kids who got to enjoy these things to just leave them in our driveway for someone else to come along later and tidy up. And you know what? He understood and he fell in line by picking up some of the gear 
and following our kids to put it all away. Kids can understand this stuff. And let me tell you, this was just one interaction with a friend of the family that was memorable for me. My wife and I correct and explain all day long in order to be sure we don't let pass any opportunity with our own children for formation in right and wrong. This is a lot of work and it involves repetition. We can't just tell kids what is wrong once and expect that they're going to assimilate it and act on it perfectly with no further guidance required. I like to say that kids are not fire and forget missiles. They need constant guidance and course correction. How can we pump ourselves up for all the work that this requires? I frequently return to my belief that my happiness later in life is going to be defined by whether my children are happy, living lives of virtue as mature and responsible adults, or whether they are suffering from the consequences of never having learned how to delay gratification, never having learned how to act according to a moral code versus acting on whims, or never having learned how to love and serve others. That's what motivates me. And here's something each of us can do to stay on course with this. We can spend some time at the end of each day thinking about whether we missed opportunities to teach our kids right and wrong. Did we avoid uncomfortable parenting situations in the interest of keeping a short-term peace that doesn't give kids the learning, the example, the fortitude they need to choose what is right? Did I love my children enough to correct them, to give them the discipline they will need to make their way in this world? If it doesn't come from me now, it's going to come from somewhere or someone else later, and it's likely to be a lot less compassionate than I would be. I want to make the connection back to the idea of freedom from our earlier episode. Giving in to natural inclinations eventually leads to a reduction in freedom. People can become prisoners of their own passions, and this never leads to happiness. I think we all know that it's a lifelong struggle, fighting against our own tendencies toward laziness, gluttony, or whatever other vice might worsen our quality of life. Recognizing that challenge that we ourselves face we have to help our children fight against this tendency. The way to get started with this is with high expectations, appropriate to their age, that we enforce consistently so that we encourage them to struggle at each particular stage of development. We need to balance it with love and affection, plus an understanding that we fail in this struggle ourselves. If we model this well, we can help them see that it is both possible to choose the right when it is difficult, and that we can pick ourselves up and charge up the hill again even when we fall. Dads, we have precious few years to help our children form the faculty that will guide all their decisions in life. When it gets hard and repetitive, let's remind ourselves of all the good reasons to stick it out with fortitude for the good of our children. A well-formed conscience is one of the greatest gifts that we can give them. Hey, thanks for listening to The Dad Project. If this talk was valuable to you, please go to our website at dadproject.net and make a voluntary one-time or recurring donation to help support our operations. Any amount helps. Catch you next time at The Dad Project.